Hey, I'm Michael Ashley, and welcome to the Ash Cafe. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. Today, we have with us Darren Matthews. Darren is a director at Nego Metrics. I hopefully pronounced that correct. Um, and also a uh, very experienced procurement manager. Um, Darren, can you tell us a little bit about Nego Metrics and yourself? So maybe fill us in a little bit, help the students kind of understand you know, what you do and, and, and how that affects uh, operations. Sure, happy to do that. Uh, when you introduced me, I thought you were gonna say procurement geek, because I've been uh, referred to that and I think that's accurate. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about uh, what I'm currently doing. Um, I work for a company called Negometrics. They're out of the Netherlands and they provide a digital software solution. And we're working with a lot of public and private clients around the world, helping them solve uh, you know, supply chain problems out there, particularly in these times. Um, that are being challenging, as we all know, definitely has impacted us. Um, but we're uh, pretty small here in the U.S. We uh, have um, customers in eight states. Uh, we only have like 13 employees in the U.S., maybe 80 worldwide. So we're not that big, but we're kind of lean and mean. Um, as far as for me, I've only been doing this for about a year. For uh, 25 years <clears throat> prior to that, I was a procurement manager, a chief of supply chain for most recently for the University of California at Santa Cruz. Oh, no uh, way. Welcome. Shout out to the slugs. <laughs> right on. Uh, in fact, I still keep my part-time faculty role there because I really enjoy, um, we're, I enjoy supply chain. I enjoy working with students and seeing um, the great potential out there, seeing their success, mm -hmm. uh, because let's be honest, they're going to replace people like me. <laughs> well, it was gonna, I was going to dive right into your product or service, but now I want to dive a little bit into your background because you said 25 years in supply chain. I can imagine things have changed a little bit over time. Like, have you seen supply chain change drastically and new things come into it? Or, or are you kind of feeling like, you know what, 25 years, it's pretty much the same thing? Um, let's see. When I started in supply chain management, um, I was uh, single and I had a lot of hair. So it's been a long time. <laughs> um, but yeah, it has changed uh, drastically over the years. Uh, I think it's changed for the better, for sure. Uh, certainly uh, leveraging technology and I think employing supply chain practices um, that are just better for our companies and for our communities. I think part of that is embracing a, a global supply chain, including mm -hmm. uh, diversity of suppliers, whether that's local. And believe me, there's a plenty of things to do, even when we were... Um, you know, in this area, I should say, plenty of things to do. Even at, uh, in Santa Cruz County, we track local spend, supplier spend, diverse spend. Uh, that's important mm -hmm. uh, with our supply chains. Back in the 80s, when I started, really didn't uh, focus on that area. Um, so that's evolved. And then the other big area, and I'm sure I don't have to tell this uh, to uh, students today, but it, technology is just off the charts. Um, back when I started, and I'll use this quick example of... Uh, package tracking and expediting. Um, back in the day, if you will, if there was an important shipment, um, I would get on the phone with the supplier, with the trucking company, um, maybe with the shipping terminal. Hey, where's my uh, equipment that I need for a repair on Friday? It's really important. Uh, that evolved to online package tracking, um, leading um, carriers, as we know, provided uh, websites where we could check uh, package and their status. Um, but today, I don't have to do any of that. That package through RFID technology will track itself and actually notify me um, <laughs> on my handheld device. I'll be there at 2.15. So um, that to me is just uh, kind of a snapshot of the, the evolution of technology in my career. 
Um, but yeah, I, th- I know, you know what I and I think in the coming years, it's only going to get better. Yeah. Um, kind of, I kind of wish I was in the front end of my supply chain career. Um, cause there's so much potential out there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's like things are, uh, not just speeding up, but they're speeding up, um, in a way that frees you up to do more things that are, you know, that, that you haven't like more value doing, you know? So instead of spending half your day tracking packages, you know, you don't have to worry about that at all. So it is kind of neat because it's not like it's someone took your job away. It's more like they took away the, you know, menial things you used to have to do so that now you have more time to kind of do some interesting things. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, that's important to note. We see a lot of automation and supply chain, uh, the use of robotics, automated retrieval systems that are replacing some manual tasks that we used to do in supply chain that I used to do. I used to unload trucks and operate a forklift, but it really uh, paves the way for opportunity and advanced levels of supply chain, uh, you know, uh, you know, product development, forecasting, uh, you know, strategic sourcing strategies, things that are really pretty fun. So uh, even my supply chain students in Santa Cruz, uh, and actually we're not in Santa Cruz, we're in uh, Santa Clara, right mm-hmm. by the mm-hmm. 49ers stadium. But at any rate, we're part of the UC Santa Cruz system. But uh, those students say, hey, do I want to get into supply chain? Isn't everything being automated? I'm like, far from it. That automation is going to help you do your job better and more accurately, but it's not going to replace us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So talking about supply chain and, and a little bit about procurement, because I do, I'm, I'm actually kind of interested in, in uh, what you know about procurement as well. But um, for Negometrics, you said that it's a software solution. And I'm kind of wondering, because our students, we study um, both products and services, uh, you know, operations that is affecting both companies that sell products and companies that sell services. And there's a, there's a lot of companies that have a mixture you know, uh, and it's a result of, you know, you make products and then you provide the services for those products as well. So tell us just a little bit about Negometrics and, and uh, is it a product or is it a service or is it some mixture of both? Let's see. Uh, short answer is it's a mixture of both. Uh, we're classified as uh, a SaaS or software as a service provider, but we uh, provide a hosted software system that allows for a paper-based procurement process uh, to go digital. And so both on the buyer and the seller end uh, through our software platform, uh, offers are submitted, RFPs are issued, contracts are awarded, and it's all digital rather than a lot of paper flying around. So that's the product we provide. Uh, As far as the service, um, that's what we're really big on. And I think, um, you know, just uh, honestly, that can be what many people say differentiate, differentiates us from the competition out there and everyone needs that kind of edge, if you will, uh, as a company. But our, our service, uh, we're really committed to not just training and implementation, but service after the sale through product support, through a help desk. And one of the cool things I learned about the company is um, we have uh, a free service. Um, we call it service desk, but it's a support and maintenance for suppliers that use our system and for our customers that use it. Call at any time, you can chat, you can email, but it's, we never outsource that. It's always an employee that you'll talk to, whether that's myself, if I'm taking a shift, or even our CEO um, in the Netherlands uh, uh-huh. takes a shift every week on our service desk. So just wow. really a culture of support and, in the service area. Um, and honestly, you know, I don't see that a lot, even as a, on the procurement side, buying goods and services. And that's why I really like, uh, I mentioned buying local in Santa Cruz. I'm a big fan of that because you have the level of service, commitment and quality of someone that's a member of your own community. 
Yep. Um, and there's a lot of other benefits financially um, of spending locally and keeping that money in your community. Uh, but I think the service uh, is so important, even if we're buying a product. Yeah, that that kind of connection to your customer isn't natural for a lot of companies. Uh, it seems like um, it, it's almost something that companies have to try to fake, you know, because they're trying to cut costs or something and they want to pretend like they're being customer centric. But it's pretty neat that maybe that's part of your culture or your like the, the you know, core of your company that, that it's important to you guys. Yeah, that, it is. It just kind of stands out. And honestly, after spending a lot of years, both in Oregon and in California on the procurement side, uh, mostly in uh, public sector uh, and higher education, uh, really kind of a change and a shifting of gears in my career. I uh, decided I wasn't completely ready to, to hang them up uh, quite yet. And so that's why I signed on last year uh, with this company. I'm really, uh, really happy that I did. Well, well, let's take that idea and then jump right into the pandemic because you know, we were all chugging along, business as usual. Some stuff kind of starts to bubble to the surface in December and January. And you hear people sniffling and coughing and getting sick and you don't really know what happens. And then wham, like sometime in February or something, businesses start sending people home. They say, don't come into the office. Um, you know, uh, no more conferences, no more face-to-face -face meetings. I mean, like sales deals are getting shut down. Like, like, tell me a little bit about how this pandemic and COVID and stuff affected you sort of personally, you know, in February. How did this kind of come about and how did you learn about it? And then how did it affect you and your business? Yeah, it's been a big impact um, for, uh, you know, for all of us and certainly for me personally and professionally. Let's see, my, uh, my partner, uh, Dana, and I were at uh, the Negometrics headquarters in uh, just outside of Amsterdam in the Netherlands when the pandemic broke out, I was there for work reasons. And we cut our trip short to fly back in March of this year. But by then the pandemic had gotten so bad that um, we weren't sure they would allow us back into the United States. So we had to fly into San Francisco, you get off the plane and these folks in these uh, radiation type suits are taking our temperature. It really was surreal. And that was really an eye opener. I'm like, you know what, uh, sweetie, things are, <laughs> are gonna be different for a while. Yeah. Um, and they have been. So uh, we're both, uh, you know, here at home. I'm, I'm actually reside most of the time in Las Vegas, um, but uh, love California as well. But we're working uh, remotely. I feel fortunate to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, our company and it's 80 employees in the Netherlands and also Bulgaria and the U.S., for the most part, working from home, um, you know, and having to, you know, to rethink how we work, how we provide Mm -hmm. product to the market, uh, in our case software, but we're, we were still used to meeting with customers, going to their office, doing trainings in person, mm -hmm. going to a lot of conferences. We probably, let's see, the last conference I went to was I think the first of March in Salem, Oregon. And after the, in that conference, they started talking about, okay, no handshakes at the conference. <laughs> yeah. They did the opening address. I'm like, okay. And, uh, but that was the last one after that, every one after the other was canceled. And now some of them are being held digitally. And I think that's going to continue. And I think that's, I think that's a positive because we all need some interaction professionally. We need training, but it takes an adjustment for sure. Um, so that's, that's been kind of my adjustment. Now the customers that we work with, uh, they're adjusting as well. Mm -hmm. Many uh, public sector procurement offices are working remotely. They're not having anybody come in. And in a way, that's a, a blessing and a curse. Certainly, we don't want to see that situation. 
but right away, many organizations needed a product that we have. So that means, okay, I can't be into the office. I don't want to have paper. I don't oh, want yeah. delivering things to me. Yeah. Um, so, and, and if you did deliver it, there's no one there at the office yeah. anymore. Yeah. So how about let's do this digital. Um, and uh, so that's mm-hmm. how. And, uh, how and, and, and probably the fact that you're a SaaS, meaning you offer your software through the cloud, I guess, supposedly, um, that, that means that people can work on your software from anywhere. So the, like they don't need to go to the office to get onto the you know, machine that has the software installed on it. They actually log into your software from their laptop at home, right? Correct. It is a hosted solution. All that's needed is a web browser and even an iPhone. We're mobile friendly. So if you're... Uh, of course, now even Starbucks are closed down. I was going to use an example. If you're in Starbucks and you have a Wi-Fi <laughs> and a cell phone, you can get on our platform and look at the bids. Yeah. But uh, even that is closed down a bit. So. Wow. What about this transition? You talked about 80 employees all of a sudden having to work from home. Were you guys prepared for that as a company? Like, have you already been thinking about, you know, how do we work remotely? How do we, you know, have meetings remotely and things like that? Or did you have to kind of speed that up? Uh, we had to speed it up. Uh, here in the U.S., where our team is smaller, we're kind of East Coast and West Coast, uh, Miami, New York, California, and then uh, I was based out of uh, Santa Cruz, Scotts Valley initially, and then uh, kind of moved to Las Vegas. Since we're all remote, it doesn't really uh, impact our meetings. So it was a lot more, um, I had to work a lot harder to stay connected, hmm. uh, whether that's uh, team meetings, interaction, um, you know, being uh, comfortable in the digital world, comfortable with the video conferencing, maybe every day sometimes. Um, So we had, but I think we were a little better prepared than um, say our colleagues um, in Utrecht, where our headquarters uh, resides, a great company, great people. Uh, They were used to going into the office every day and working together for the most part. Um, In fact, uh, the company, provided in the office coffee. They catered lunch in every day. In fact, when I was there for a week for training, I'm like, oh, I can get used to this. <laughs> yeah. I've got free meals, hanging out with great people. Um, and when we did it after hours, they did a training. They catered in food again uh, for an international meeting that our CEO spoke at. And then after the meeting, um, you know, they broke out some really nice wine. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, but, but uh, the, so our, my uh, company colleagues in the Netherlands, I think that's been more of an adjustment uh, for them because they didn't do as much remote work. Uh, that said, they're adjusting well. Um, they're connecting with clients virtually. Um, we phased a little bit as far as going back into the office on kind of a hybrid schedule mm-hmm. recently. Um, but I think uh, some numbers in Europe have been spiking. And so I think our company and others are going to stick to the remote for a while. Um, and we all know that's that's, uh, you know, an adjustment. Yeah, yeah. It seemed in the beginning remote was kind of interesting. It was sort of fun to be able to say, hey, I can join a meeting in my pajamas, you know. Right, but right. Uh, now it's sort of worn off. You know, people are really craving this human connection, you know, and they really want to hang out together and talk to each other and meet with each other. And so much magic happens, you know, when you actually get a chance to hang out with people. Uh, that's so true. Uh, and that's tough to replace um, both, you know, if you talk about the classroom, and I've always been a fan of virtual learning, online learning, but connecting with the student in person and being able to meet them, uh, that's really cool too in a classroom. So I've always enjoyed both. So now it's strictly virtual, um, just yeah. about 
every campus around here I'm seeing do that. Um, work colleagues, it's all virtual. I've worked for almost a year with our marketing manager in um, uh, New York. I feel pretty close to him. Um, Steve's a great guy. He and his wife are getting ready to have their first child. I've never met him in person. <laughs> never met him in person. I hope someday I can. Yeah. Um, so even, but on a personal level, so uh, like I said, uh, Dana and I have kids uh, um, kind of spread out, uh, but we're, we do Zoom meetings to connect with them. And mm -hmm. I, I love doing that, seeing how they're doing, uh, you know, what's up in their world, but it's not the same as being in the same room with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's move to your customers because um, I'm, I'm interested to see a little bit about, you know, how did they react to this scenario? Did it speed up buying with you? Did it slow down buying with you? Did it change the sales cycle? Did it, like, how were customers sort of adapting to this new world that we're in? Uh, it definitely took um, a little bit or a lot of adapting. If you look at, say, our typical sales cycle in my company would be, you know, outreach to a potential lead uh, or a prospect at a conference. Hey, this is our software. Here's a brochure. Here's my business card. All you know, you're shaking their hand. Um, you might be having you know social hour with them, eating with them. Um, that went away. And so, how do we adjust? How do we connect? Um, so that was a struggle. We've been doing a lot more virtual events, uh, virtual conferences. We do a lot of company training, even things that, uh, that are not necessarily sales related, although we do sell a product and a service. Sometimes we just do content-based learning, uh, say, Hey, love to catch up with you and talk about a certain element of, you know, uh, diversifying supplier spend. We did a, a webinar on that last uh, month that was very well attended. Um, so it's related to what we do for software, but it wasn't a webinar about software. So we're right, right. that. And then, you know, our, our customers, I, I would say some are were more ready than others. Some of them promoted uh, a working environment uh, remotely and they allowed some telework or telecommute, we've heard it called. Uh, some uh, more traditional managers uh, were of the opinion you know, that, uh, hey, I, yeah, you have to be in the same office so I can make sure you're working and see what you're doing and I can walk by there and, and kind of monitor. <laughs> um, I've never felt that type of management was effective. Um, um, in fact, 20 years ago in uh, the county government in Oregon, we were in Portland, we were doing remote work, but that was only like one day a week and it was kind of a privilege. Uh, now it's a necessity and it's every day. So, um, but I, I think... Um, uh, organizations that have allowed it on a part-time basis and have um, allowed, you know, enable the technology with their team member to do it because you do need to write technology um, and you can kind of tell when someone is struggling in that area or they're not fully prepared or their company hasn't prepared them either with training or the right technology tools or a, a good, uh, you know, internet connection um, you know, video cameras, those types of things. So, mm -hmm. um, so I, I still think it's a work in progress yeah. for sure. For sure. So the um, software that you guys provide helps companies manage supply chain and, and procurement, things like that. Had, did you hear anything from them that was sort of feedback to you? Like, hey, because of COVID, we're having more difficulties with our supply chain, or maybe we're having, we're having more security concerns, or we're having, like, was there anything that kind of happened as a result of the pandemic that maybe is going to influence your roadmap or the way you think about supply chain, you know, going forward? It will impact our roadmap for sure. Um, we, 
we have a culture as a company of engaging our customers and listening to them have annual and quarterly events to get feedback on our software. How, hey, what can we do better? What's working? What's not? But this um, provided an opportunity, I think, to really uh, speed that up and make it more frequent. So we're not waiting once a year for user day to listen to customer experiences. It's a every week or sometimes an every day uh, type of event with the things that they need because they're all working remotely. Uh, the other impact that, uh, that we uh, viewed with our customers is many of them in procurement are also part of emergency operations for their um, organization. We have a lot of customers in Florida and you know, like every state they're facing you know, high numbers of um, COVID cases, uh, buying, um, you know, personal protective equipment for their teams, uh, doing other things to support of emergency, in support of emergency operations. So they're doing that on the side, if you will, because that's part of their role. Um, and sometimes they do um, a bid or an RFP for PPE through our platform. And a lot of folks out there selling uh, those and marketing those materials right now so they're getting a lot of uh, a lot of participation in those particular bids, um, but those are just a couple of examples of uh, of how they have been uh, impacted. Yeah. What do you think about the pandemic creating an opportunity for companies? You know, a lot of people are talking about COVID happened and it's hurting a lot of companies. Like, you know, people are losing jobs. Some businesses aren't going to make it. Like, we know there are a lot of bad things happening, but we also can see that there are some companies that are almost. Um, they were well positioned to be able to take advantage of this new world that we're entering, whether there are security companies and now their security is available because people are working remotely, or maybe there are supply chain companies like yours who maybe have a digital solution that's now finally like, like the world's ready for it or something. So let's talk a little bit about maybe the competitive advantages or the things that people can do or have done to take advantage of this new world that we're working in. Yeah, there. Um, you, I've definitely seen this past year, uh, you know, during the pandemic. I don't know if it's fair to say the haves and the have-nots, but it's I, when I say that, I mean it's opportunity um, and, and the niche that they're in. And nobody could, I don't believe, have foreseen the pandemic that we're in worldwide impact. Every day in the newspaper, on every page, there's something about it. I sometimes I just uh, you know get uh, you know I think in my end like. Uh, a really bad movie right now, oh, but <laughs> yeah. I'm not. This is the reality as we know it. But there are companies uh, that it's been an opportunity um, to maybe uh, either advance their market, um, expand their market share. Uh, that's one of the things that we've been able to do to some extent. We actually continue to gain customers because of the type of product that we supply. Again, we don't want these conditions to help us make sales, but we are in the situation that we're in and we just have found that during the pandemic, uh, a product like ours um, was needed by many organizations. So uh, yeah. this digital procurement market that we're in and there are a lot of competitors in the US in this space, I think they've all kind of seen um, opportunities continue. For example, you know, our company uh, since the pandemic broke out in March has hired three new employees and not laid off anybody else. So we're incredibly fortunate to be able to say that and do that. I'm lucky to get up and go to work every day in my house. There are other businesses that you, you know, and you mentioned that some aren't gonna make it, some haven't made it. Uh, some uh, people that have worked their whole life to build a, a small business or a medium-sized business, uh, it's gonna be really tough. It is really tough on them. 
if you look at uh, here just in Las Vegas, uh, some businesses are doing really well. If you look at um, like food providers that provide either the to-go or the drive-through. Um, in fact, I, there's not far from here, there's an In-N-Out burger. They're, they have like multiple lines of their drive-through and they have employees out in the parking lot taking orders to help speed it up. I don't know what their books are saying, but I bet their revenue has grown. <laughs> yeah. So that's a niche that, you know, yeah. it, it, it worked out well for them. But other independent contractors in this area, including uh, performers, uh, dancers on the strip that are classified as independent contractors, um, the, the, the entertainment uh, industry and the hospitality industry is shut down for the most part in Las Vegas. And that's meant thousands of jobs. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess some industries uh, are faring uh, well, others, uh, others are not. Yeah, we, we talk about in class um, a lot about competitive advantage and, and in product design and innovation, we're always trying to think about how can we make our product better, cheaper or faster? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, um, how do we make it uh, more responsive? How do we make, you know, reduce the prices and or the costs or whatever? So in your um, situation, you know, it sounds like, and, and from the stories you've told, um, you guys have invested heavily in your customer relationships, which kind of plays to this um, uh, better and more responsive competitive mm -hmm. advantage. Like you said, you can meet with your customers more often now, and that increases your response to their needs. Like you can probably get what they need into your software faster, you know, and those kinds of things. So, um, what do you think just for, you know, um, other companies out there, you know, what are some things that maybe you've learned in the last few months um, about working with uh, either vendors in the supply chain or working with, uh, you know, customers in a sales cycle or even working with marketing and thinking about how they're going to do marketing operations, you know, differently, you know, uh, anything you've learned or challenges that you've overcome that you could share with us that, you know, could be applied across the board to lots of different companies. Sure. Uh, well, for, I think, first of all, we just need to rethink how we go about things because things are so differently, whether that's on the sales side or the buying side. And we've had to do that uh, as a company. One of the things that we're looking at is offering our product for free on a trial basis. Uh, for one, it helps organizations out because say, if you're looking at a public agency, they can be notoriously slow for either getting budget or getting something approved. You know, I've been there, done that. Um, so if it's free, um, Maybe they'll use it. Maybe they'll become a regular customer. Other uh, providers of digital software solutions like ours are doing uh, similar offers. So that's part of it because cost does factor into the equation when you're trying to um, get an advantage, if you will. Of course, if that's a competitive advantage is your price point, it being at zero and, and your competitor is doing the same thing, <laughs> that may not be as much of an advantage as, as we originally thought. But um, so we've, we've looked at... Uh, at doing that. And then I just think that uh, the things that are the new normal, we have to figure out uh, what that is. So I can tell you, uh, like doing sales training, um, when I came on board with the company, um, you know, kind of the sales cycle, um, you know, product marketing, those things are still important. But one of the things that we're, we're really shifting gears now a little bit 
is providing um, value maybe in another way, but we still get that name recognition that we hope is eventually a differentiator in a, in a product decision in our case for software. So um, we had a really, a really a great sales training from an East Coast provider. Of course, everything was on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about, don't make the sales pitch. Uh, if you do get them on the phone, ask them how they're doing. Do they have problems in procurement? Let them talk about um, their pain points and really just show some empathy and care. Um, not as a ploy, you know, you want to be sincere because we do care about our customers, but it, it's just a different approach to sales and marketing. So we have some really great people in this area on our sales team and they have a great track record. You look at their resume or their LinkedIn and you're like, wow, I'm not worthy to be working with this, with this group, <laughs> but then they are, you know, are rethinking their traditional sales strategies and their customer interactions yep. or potential customers. So that's some observations that I've seen. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. What's uh, happening right now. So let's just talk about the future real quick and then we'll wrap it up here, but I want to kind of get your take on, you know, um, is this the new normal? Is this going to be the way it is for us uh, forever going on? Or like, uh, you know, maybe just leave us with a couple words of wisdom around, um, you know, the, the new, uh, what, what do we have in store coming up? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, one of the things uh, that I would definitely agree with, with you on your statement about the new normal, I think we need to be prepared for that for the long term. Honestly, and I, this is just being naive on my part, when the pandemic happened in March, I'm like, okay, let's go to Las Vegas for two or three months and, and uh, yeah, then things will get back to normal. Uh, well, now it's been seven months or six months and it's, it's not back to normal and things in some cases are getting worse. So I think we need to uh, adjust to the new normal. I think on the personal level, we're going to continue to see um, um, the, the PPE equipment, uh, the masks, the hand sanitizers, the lack of real close interaction, the restrictions in public spaces. I think that's well into 2021, if not beyond that. And I'm not a health expert. I just am kind of a realist. So I think with that, we need to uh, continue to adapt our supply chain strategies. We need to use technology. Mm -hmm. um, one of the really cool things I see about uh, um, students, and I'm, I'm careful about age-related comments, but many of the students that I work with are under 30, and that's really super young for me. Um, and uh, they bring a set of technology skills that are off the, ch off the charts, honestly. And I think yep. leveraging those technology skills in a digital world are only going to help them. Even if you're in an industry that's not necessarily high tech or software, those technology skills just to interact with um, your boss or to have a job interview are going uh, to be helpful. Um, and then I guess the last thing I would say is as technology, you know, in my career, um, from the 80s until now in 2020, I've seen this advancement in supply chain technology. Um, you know, hang on for the ride in the next five years, 10 years, and what we will see with artificial intelligence and big data and uh, more automation. And again, it's going to continue to help us. I still think supply chain is just a dynamite career field, and you won't be sorry uh, yep. to pursue it. And uh, I just, yeah, I wish all of the students the best in this area. And um, you know, if we ever get a chance to, to catch up, I'd welcome the opportunity. Even if it's uh, digitally, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. That's fantastic. I love the stuff that you said about 
um, customers, being close to them. I love what you just mentioned about AI and not being afraid of technology improving, you know, and I can imagine a future where these uh, students now are actually the ones building these new, um, you know, supply chain uh, systems you're talking about that take AI and they take technology, but they meld it with that real customer concern that you brought up. And I think that the, the COVID you know, pandemic thing has, has made one thing really clear, and that is, yes, we can work independently and separated, but we crave that customer, that, that, you know, that human connection. For sure, for sure. No, I would agree with that. And uh, yeah, I think that definitely this generation that we're seeing uh, up and coming is up to the challenge and uh, I'll sit back and watch. <laughs> Darren, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, hopefully get you back on here maybe in the future and then we can talk about, you know, how things have changed, but uh, really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. Okay. Thank you. Everyone take care. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.